Filmmaker Commentary, episode 169. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Kill Bill, Volume 1, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, 2003. Yes, sir. All right. And what was the box office and the budget for this film? Kill Bill, Volume 1, came in with an estimated budget of $30 million and a worldwide Global box office gross of one hundred and eighty-one million. Oh, dollar, dollar, dollar bills. That's y'all. a win. That's a win. Yes, sir. Man, I mean, yeah, he could do no wrong. You know, early stages of Miramax. Like, what the do you want? Fourth film by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah, man. He loves his career, doesn't he? I think at this point, I'm going to give a look here, but I think this probably would have been his biggest box office. I don't know how well Pulp Fiction did, but I'm going to guess that this would probably be his. At this point, his best box office film. Okay. Just based on the action. Yeah, maybe. Let's see what Pulp Fiction did. Bang bang for buck, I would say Pulp Fiction. Oh, I stand corrected. Oh, I stand corrected. Dadgum, check out Pulp Fiction. Yeah, because it was like $7 million or something like that. Yeah, eight million, yeah, estimated $8 million budget. Yeah. Worldwide gross, $214 million. Yes, reel that back. Okay. Well, <laughs> second most successful. <laughs> Still in good company. But yeah, right. yeah, man, Pulp Fiction did. Man, excellent. Yeah, they, they say that movie built Miramax, basically. Mm. I don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. Seven, eight million. Wow. Man. It was a phenomenon. Yes, sir. Um, what were like the um like sentiment at the time? What were people talking about? People were loving this film. I mean when Kill Bill dropped, it was just like, wait, what? Because like Uma Thurman I mean, I, I had maybe seen her in one or two things, but she more more or less maybe like played kind of a model kind of role. Because she's, you know, tall and, and, and lanky. Uh, it's got a kind of very, like I think, like a Eurocentric kind of look to her. Mm-hmm. But when you saw the trailers of this, you're like, what is going on? And then you, and then if you're a fan of martial arts films, Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. you see the outfit she's wearing and instantly know, okay, that outfit, that's a, that's a game of like, death. That's familiar. Yeah, <laughs> of homage to Bruce Lee. And you see the trailer, like, okay. And it's got this, this vibe to it. And you put... Quentin Tarantino, you're like, oh, wait, it's a Quentin Tarantino and she, film. And she won us over anyway in Pulp Fiction. Like, she, you know, she stole the scenes in Pulp Fiction. So, 100%. So, I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll go see the, I'll see her. You feel like this is, this is low risk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, this is going to be a good time. Yeah. Like, okay, Uma's back. Quentin's back. We're doing martial arts. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got Lucy Looney. What we got Vivica Fox. Yeah. yeah. Like, these people are like, you know, they're kind of the top of their game. Like, okay. Yeah. They went in their prime. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good look. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this was, yeah, this is good. Okay, uh, before we talk further about Kill Bill, let's talk volume about... Volume 1. <laughs> volume 1. <laughs> let's talk about TV, news, and movies. Watch. 
So in the news, according to Deadline, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves, wields a $72 million global debut. Coming in higher than expected, the Paramount slash E1's Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves, took a 71.5 million dollar global bow this weekend. That includes 33 million and 60 off from 60 offshore markets, which is nicely above the 25 plus projected ahead of the frame. Yeah, standouts include the UK, Mexico, Australia, Italy, Spain, Germany, and Korea. So yeah, I don't know if you had seen any trailers for the Dungeons Dragons film. My sons have. They were like, "Man, it looks like like it might be good." And so they were like, "All right, I don't know." I saw a couple of trailers in the theater. Mm-hmm. I went to you know to see Scream Three and Creed. No, it's not Scream. Scream, Scream oh. Six. Let me oh. multiply that by yes. two. <laughs> Scream Six and Creed Three the same weekend. So I saw the trailer. Yeah, that's a heck of a on weekend. the big screen. Yeah, it was that's fantastic. Weekend. That was a, it was a bloody good weekend. Um, <laughs> In more ways than one, but anyway, so but <laughs> that that trailer played twice, and I was like, "It's kind of What's getting, the, it's kind of getting to me." I'm really, like, I'm kind of slightly interested, but yeah. Um, but E One is actually owned by Hasbro. Okay, so this is because they they've got like the the D and D license, and so like they're like this you know entertainment is one of their one of their branches that they're trying to you know yeah. get into make some more money off of that. So you know, of course, they're they got to be crazy happy. That this Heck thing yeah. I did what, this well. I wonder what the budget was. Dungeons and Dragons. It's going to be up there because the trailers is a lot of a lot of effects going on. I think it's going to mm. have a, a still a little ways to go to get that budget back. But this buzz, I think, will will bring maybe some families out to uh, maybe sell some come. toys. Yeah, well, I mean, well, definitely. I mean, yeah, Hasbro's. I mean, the merch, the money's in the merch for sure. Mm-hmm. They've got all kinds of toys already. Um, being marketed, so Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves, hundred fifty million dollar budget. Oh, okay, not so bad. So far, they've hit that seventy two mark. So they're not bad. Halfway, almost like halfway there to and that's not just one week. Marketing. So that's solid. Um, yeah, so they can maintain. I think. I think still John Wick four. I gotta watch, dude. I've been missing so many movies you at have. the theater that I should be watching. Shame, shame, <laughs> shame. Who you, are you? <laughs> you? You you are living a, a grown up life. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes we have to you know just pause and be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to come back to that. But yeah, so that's doing well. Another um, article that grabbed my eye was according to the Hollywood Reporter. It says Endeavor nears a deal to buy the WWE and merge it with UFC. The UFC oh. owner is in talks to acquire the wrestling company after January return of Vince McMahon to the sports entertainment powerhouse. 43 years after Vince McMahon founded the company now known as the WWE and 70 years after his father entered the professional wrestling business, the McMahon family appears ready to give up control of their empire, Hmm. closing in on a multi-billion dollar deal to sell the WWE to Endeavor, the Hollywood Reporter has confirmed. Money, money, money. That is wild to me Mm -hmm. uh, because I never would have thought of Vince McMahon relinquishing control, but I guess... You know, having that time off when he stepped away and stepped down from creative, he was still on the board. That's that's very interesting that uh, they're ready to potentially sell. That's a that's that's gonna be fascinating to to, to see because he was the creative source behind WWE for decades. Wow. So uh, you know, and of course, it all falls in 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 line right now with this weekend being WrestleMania weekend for any of, any of you out there who are wrestling fans. You know, mm-hmm. WrestleMania has. Again, this is the 39th one, and it's expanded from being a, a one-night event, usually on a Sunday night at the beginning of April, 
Now it's a two night event. They started that experiment during COVID, but now it's like they say, you know, this works. Let's just keep going. <laughs> I remember uh, during COVID, like when, first when the front <laughs> stuff was sh- shut down, mm. and uh, people were still doing like boxing matches and martial arts stuff. Like the UFC was still doing stuff, but there was nobody. <laughs> there was no fans or anything like that. Oh yeah. man, it looked ridiculous. Uh, and we had caught some of the wrestling stuff. I was like, what the, what's going on? Very early on, yeah, yeah. it looked bad. Like with no fan reaction. It's it like was, that. That, it that whole the whole entertainment and sport is built off the fan reaction. But then they got smart and they created the. Uh, God, what do they call it? But they came up with a whole thing where they had people's people watching, but they had their digital cameras on, so they had yeah. all these screens so, around. So it was like a digital crowd. Uh, that actually it that it, it worked. Yeah it, yeah, it worked for what it was. And um, anyway, but yeah. So anyway, I, I found that article interesting. But that's what I got for news, Reginald. What have you been watching? Watching. Haven't been watching too much, but um, for our scary movie for, of the week, we uh-huh. watched Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> the kid's funny. Uh, why she was she was she was tired, so she went to sleep with the the youngest kid, and then so I'm like, all right, I'm tired, but I'm gonna go in and let's watch this film. Let's get terrified, children. Yes, uh, my oldest one to watch it. Um, the oldest, uh, the third oldest, he was like, like, yeah, let's watch Annabelle. Isaiah, he was like, nah. <laughs> He's like, nah. And then my daughter, she just. I'm laying on the couch. She goes to sleep on my legs. And then my youngest, who's two years old, just like just hangs out by my feet mm-hmm. as well. They weren't really into it. Sure. But but my oldest son and the other two were horrified. Oh, <laughs> got him, coach. <laughs> he said, that one, that one's kind of scary, Dad. One down there, team. I think that one's rated R, I think. Creatures uh, crawling. Yeah. Search of blood. That, it was graphic. On that for sure. So, mm. like, yeah, you know, hey, you wanted to watch it? I was like, no more, no more. I got that feel. Huh? He was thinking about it. He was like, sleeping at night. He was like, he said, I couldn't sleep with us. I said, what you think about Annabelle? I was like, yeah, from like four to six. I was like, <laughs> Annabelle living rent free in your mind. Man, I was like, this is great. They were horrified. That doll's ugly, man. Have you seen it? It is, it is. I've, I've, yeah, I've seen enough. Like, Annabelle's a little, little, she's got a little pop culture vibe going on. Yeah. But uh, I, I know that uh, Marlon Wayans, he he and his brother, they did a mm-hmm. spoof like I don't know whatever spoof with it, but they did mm-hmm. and, and that and they had a doll like that that was oh that God. was in it was it was crazy it was crazy. Man, that, but uh, yeah, so they were horrified. That one was funny. Um, well, there was the movie like nothing was really funny about it compared to like Chucky. Oh sure. So they were able to kind of have more fun with the Chucky situation. But the Annabelle, this one was serious, and they were horrified. It was great. This horror is real. They ain't playing. <laughs> What about yourself? Uh, I checked out a couple of things. So I, I on Hulu, I ended up seeing, um, I had been seeing this advertisement for this, it was a doc, like, a, like a series, but it was called History of the World Part 2. Mm. And it was a Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, from Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, yeah. I'm like, well, I like Mel Brooks. But I'm like, okay, this History of the World Part 2, like, where's Part 1? Right. And so I find that on Hulu. Which came out in like 1983, 84. It nice. came out all the way back in the 80s. Whoa. I'm like, huh. And I'm looking at the cast. I'm like, wait, wait Gregory Hines is in this? Dang. Huh. And so, I, so I, I proceeded to watch that over the next, like, I'm watching the mornings before I go to work. 
but it's it's, it's pretty funny. It's, okay. it's pretty funny. It's it's, it's uh, definitely of its time because Mel Brooks loves to like push the envelope and mm-hmm. he, like you know he's the same guy who did Blazing Saddles. So there's always some racial stuff in there, and there's always stuff. In, and he's he's a you know a, a, a Jewish man, and so he's always got some of that kind of worked in there always. And he's mm-hmm. and there were some clips from from this movie that I had seen years ago, but I never knew what it was from. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, it was from this thing. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Like when you got those gaps, like, man, what is that from? And you, right. you finally see it. I'm like, oh, that was all from History of the World Part One. So watch that. That was pretty funny. And then I'm, and then I'm, I'm all, now I'm watching History of the World Part Two, mm-hmm. which is broken down into a series, like a series. Like they they take a section, like it's like episodes, it's episodic. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, that kind of makes sense for this. And they're just covering different parts of time, and they're putting their spin on it, and like you know, making it funny. It's it's. It's it's pretty wild though. History of the world part two. Yeah, I can dig it. But this one part two has all kinds of comedians and actors in it. Like it's a it's a really? wide berth of people. I'm like just guest stars galore. A lot of Nick Kroll is in a lot of it. If you ever watched the, um, oh man, what was that that the fantasy football the league? They used to come mm-hmm. on effects. He was the one who always said, "Oh, forever unclean." <laughs> Uh, yeah, Nick Kroll. He's in he's in a lot of the uh the 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 skits and episodes. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I've seen this. Or maybe I have, but I just don't remember. Now it's pretty it's this is pretty new. History of the World Part Two is I pretty mean part one, the one you were just explaining. Yeah, I I didn't even know it existed. And again, I'm again I mean, I've seen a decent amount of Mel Brooks stuff. I had never heard I was like, I've never heard of this until I, part two came out, you know, almost rated R. Thirty years later. Yeah. I take that back. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I thought that would have been something that was like it was playing all kind of stuff in my daycare back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. they This one, yeah. This this one, like Melbourne was able to push it, push the envelope a little bit more. But there's, yeah, there's a little bit of nudity here and there. But it's like it's all like tongue and tongue and cheek mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But it's yeah, but it, it's it, it uh, it's something because kind of like with Blazing Saddles, it takes on like modern things and kind of work them in. It, it's yeah, it's just that that kind of eighties. Mm-hmm. kind of humor anyway but uh but yeah so i've been watching that i finished up wednesday on on netflix what finished that up what did you think i enjoyed it i'm mm-hmm. like okay when is uh part two i i, I didn't i didn't figure out like who the, the you don't the tell monster. me yeah i'm not going to i was like but i was like oh man it, it, they kept me guessing and so yeah so that, that's nice to sometimes to be wrong it's nice to guess sometimes but i'm like oh oh they got me uh watching the episode of the mandalorian that's down. That's been okay. I actually today started watching Dallas, the old school, the old school Dallas. Wow. I remember as I remember my mom used to watch it, and as a wow. kid, every now and then I would see the episodes. It would come on like Friday nights, um, you know, and I would you know, I would see that, and it was one of those things. You know, I know my family was from Texas. It's like, oh, okay, you know, Dallas, you know, and it's it's, it's big and you know it's like da, 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 yeah and so they were doing their thing and i remember everything from spoiler alert when jr got shot and who shot yeah that was like a big deal yeah, that, that was, was big all deal. over television so um yeah so i was like you know I, what happens when i was looking for the articles today mm-hmm. for whatever reason either the hollywood reporter or one of the outlets had had some kind of retro review of the first episode of dallas i was uh-huh. like Huh? They're like Dallas, you know, a retro view. I was like, "What? What is this about?" And I kind of clicked on it. I was like, "Sucked in." I'm like, "Where is Dallas?" Like, you know, I was like, uh, "Roku, where's 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 Dallas playing?" And it's on Freebie. Yep. And so I literally started with, 
it says season two, episode one, but it's really it's like episode one. They they may have done some kind of mini mini series thing before, but I don't know. But anyway, so I just started. I know it's the first episode. Yeah, and it, the intro shot is pretty awesome to see because you see how undeveloped that part of Dallas is. Yeah, man. I'm like, look at all that land. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> built up, <laughs> populated for real. But yeah, so I, I watched like three episodes today, and it's. It's pretty good. I, am, oh. I mean, it went 14 seasons, Ooh, you know? Got them. And each they one's like a, an hour. I, I'm sure I'll watch for a while. Probably, probably four. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, I don't know. Anyway, but I started. <laughs> I'm not making any promises of finishing, but I started. Yeah. And so far, it's, 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 it's interesting. And it's like, okay, to see the very beginning of it, mm. I'm like, man, 14 seasons, man. Especially, I'm like, man, that's a, it's almost, yeah, that's, a, that's a long time. You know? And then they read, then they do. Like a continuation of it uh, yeah. recently. They did a reboot in maybe like, maybe about 2020. It was on yeah. TNT. They, they did a, mm-hmm. a reboot of it. But um, but it's cool to see kind of where things start. And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens from there. But that's. Yeah, that, yeah. Dallas, that, that's a, Dallas is a city. You know, it's, uh, we've got some good marketing. It, well, it, it kind of hurt the a collective brand because people will see Dallas internationally yeah. and think that's how we still live. They're like, Oh, you guys are, you know, like, like everybody's, you know, living on a ranch or whatever. Right. It's like, no, this was in the eighties. We've, this is one of the top cities in the world for business. Right. We have developed, we do have Western heritage and that's more so in Fort Worth. But, um, you know, Dallas is, is a sprawling, uh, Metroplex with many a suburb and uh, <laughs> modern amenities. We do have a football team. Ha! You might have heard of them. They actually show that in the in the shot. Like they show yeah, the yeah. old uh, Irving uh, Stadium. You can see the boom Cowboys. I'm like, oh, they got, got, got the, the shot in the ceiling. Yeah, but I remember like in, in like this was like early on. But I remember in, le- in later episodes when the intro comes on, they they intercut with like the actual images of the actors. You know, yeah. I just remember that as a kid. Like it was, it was a cool intro, you know. And that, but that song you hear, you're like, oh, this is some straight because it's '78 when it launched. Like, this is some straight like disco vibes. And even in one of the episodes, like they go to a new disco and they literally start playing the theme in the background. I'm like, wow, okay, this because you can hear the funk in it. I'm like, yeah. This is a disco song. Sound like a brother was in there playing some of the instruments. The same. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I watched um Secession. We started that on HBO. Okay. So they're on their last season. That I think just started or close to wrapping. I think. Um, this uh, secession. So I've been seeing like the promotion and marketing for it, and I'm just like, one day. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went to business. We went to business school, so we like we understand what secession is. Mm-hmm. We just got to finish watching Ozark. That was business related. We like business related things, so we started this one. And it's um, like if I compare like the first few episodes in comparison to Ozark, two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, Ozark starts with a bang and ends with a bang. Ooh. You know, this one is like kind of like a slow burn, but you kind of get a vibe for everybody pretty early on. Um, but huh. it, the series centers on the Roy family, the owners of Waystar Roy Co., a global media and entertainment conglomerate who are fighting for control of the company amid uncertainty about the health of the family's patriarch, Logan Roy, who was played by Brian Cox. So... Yeah, man, it's just been crazy to see how these kids have been kind of vibing, trying to get, you know, into the seed and like all the politics to go with corporate America and and to see the world. A lot of times we see the world as employees 
uh, working for these companies, mm-hmm. but you don't really get a chance to see the perspective of, hey, we're running the show. Like my dad owns the company that, you know, from that perspective is totally different. This is what Dallas is. Uh, yeah, because it's about the, 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 the Ewings are the super powerful oil, like oil tycoons. Right. And you could tell there's some dealings happening within the city and councils, all kinds of stuff, and how they have so much power. And, and the oldest son, JR, who, who always just wanted to run the company, is in that seat. Mm. And the youngest, or yeah, the youngest, Bobby, just, just come back. He was, Bobby? He was, they had him on the road, kind of just like, kind of glad handing and kind of schmoozing people. But now he's just got married to like the family's rivalry, like the, one of their daughters. Oh, that'll and, spice things up. Exactly. And then she's trying to be accepted by the family. It's, it's all, already like you, you, you were dropped <laughs> in the drama. You're like, Oh, it's interesting, <laughs> but it's, but it's business. And now Bobby's like, okay, I want to be in the office and, and work this executive style. And he's trying to get information from Jr. And Jr. is like, look, I've been about this, this life since we were little. And he goes, mm-hmm. and I've had to make decisions. Like I, like I run this. He goes, and, and, and while I do, then he's basically telling us, it's been like, you know, there are certain things I'm not going to tell you because Bob's trying to get access to files. He's trying to get caught up and know what's what. But JR, Jazz, hella shady. Hella shady already. <laughs> you already doing like, okay, this guy's a snake. Yeah. But yeah, so with Secession, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, they're working that business side. I'll tell you what I was most surprised with Secession mm-hmm. when it got a second season. I was like, oh, I'm like, Secession. I'm like, okay, I figured this guy's going to die first season it's like oh we're like uh, four seasons in yeah i'm like oh his health seems to be you know pretty decent some of the some of the crazy stuff is uh the culkin brothers are surprising me man um let me find what culkin this one is mm. uh, but there's two because there's one that we saw in the screen movie you remember that culkin mm-hmm. um i got let me look because i they look similar <laughs> similar how many are there just two? They have a lot of brothers and sisters. Oh. Let me, let me. I think it's the one who's in the good sense. I've seen some like featurettes from Succession or some interviews. I think it's the same one who's in the good the the good son from way back in the day. Kieran Culkin. Okay. He's Kieran. Sorry. Sorry for the. So siblings, you got Kieran Culkin, Rory Culkin, Dakota Culkin, Quinn Culkin, Shane Culkin, Christian Culkin, and Jennifer Adamson. That's don't all, don't all forget, siblings. Don't forget Macaulay. Oh, yeah, Macaulay, of course. What the Culkins going? <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know there were so many Culkins. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Um. So, yeah, so this is Kieran Culkin. So his character is nuts. Mm. Nuts. And... Um. So you can see him right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with. Well, yep, yep, that's him. Karen. I'll tell you what's interesting. Like when you mentioned Secession, I'm thinking about like shows like Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, these are these are all like kind of derivatives of of Dallas, of what Dallas is. Yeah, like this this family power structure. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. I know it just made me think of that. I'm like, yeah, like Dallas was that kind of. Family power struggle, but Yellowstone is that. Succession mm-hmm. is that as well, but more on the corporate side. So yeah, we're about four episodes in. So yeah, each, it's good, man. Each episode about an hour. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a little bit of a slow burn if you don't mind drama and things like that. It's nothing like too graphic or anything like that. So you know you may not get excited, but uh, 
But you'll be informed. Yeah, you'll be informed. Absolutely. <laughs> Somebody might get talked talk to roughly. A stern talking yeah. to you. <laughs> Why'd you take that tone with like, Yeah, in the other series, like they should get shot. Oh. You know, like That's how they're handling their business. Tone. Yeah, totally different. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I'm talking about Culkin, we watched um, Swarm. The movie, okay. uh, that episode that with Donald Glover um, helped create, helped write and create, um, has kind of some of the same vibes as Atlanta. Um, I've only watched one episode in, but Rory Culkin is in that episode. So when I when I first saw the advertisement or the key art for Swarm, uh-huh. it looks like a horror show, like a straight up, like yeah. almost like a supernatural kind of horror show. Yeah. But then from my scene of it, I'm like, no, it doesn't seem like it's that at all. It's apparently, it's like some some. Like women who maybe went to high school together or something like that, and maybe had. I've only one episode in. I don't know. I've never watched any of it. I'm just going by like what I've oh. trailer wise, what I've seen. If it's what I'm. No, I'm thinking of Yellow Jackets. Never mind. I'm talking about something totally different. Yep. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, never yeah, mind. Atlanta vibe. So, like, yeah, if you've seen Atlanta, we've seen Atlanta. What are we what am I saying? Um, kind of same kind of energy, you know, that out there, it, it's black, but it's not kind of like the stereotypical. Like black non monolithic, yeah. So it's, um, you know, because you got like an old genre, just this is black stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of like in that same kind of obscure, weird energy, okay. Um, it's called Swarm, Swarm, yeah. Where, where is it based out of? Not shot wise, but like location in the, um, in I the believe, lore. ooh, yeah, I'm only one episode in, I want to say Atlanta or Houston. Where'd you watch it? Uh, Amazon. Is it on Amazon? Yeah, Amazon. Ah, okay. Yeah. I think I've seen that pop so, up there. Yeah, so they've been promoting a lot of it. Um, it's not super exciting. It's it's a little it's a little dark. Um, one of the one of the biggest things is. Um, do, are you familiar with Chloe uh, Bailey, the singer? No. Af- uh, she has a sister. What's name? I think her sister's name is called Kaylee Bailey, maybe. But they're probably like in their. They're probably like in their. They're probably like 20-ish. Oh, they're real young? Yeah, nineteen twenty. But what made them like kind of pop on the scene was when they were like a teen, when they were teenagers, they would like do these acoustic covers for like be, like Beyonce songs. So like that very cute looking little girls and they got signed with Beyonce and stuff like that. So they're like getting it. They're like going into their own as, as women and mm. specifically Chloe Baby, she's going into the, like the Little Mermaid. I think that's one of the Bailey sisters. Oh, gotcha. So you have one Bailey that's doing like some of the Disney stuff, but Chloe, she has like a sex scene in this swarm. And so that like calls like a lot of buzz. So everybody's been talking about that on like uh, on pop. <laughs> and so you see both of the Bailey sisters talking about it and they like laugh like, Oh my God, I don't want to talk about it. I was so nervous. They're probably work, working part of that, uh, yeah, that so, gimmick of, yeah. So you got one that's in the Disney. Um, yeah, so she's you know you got one that's with the Disney, and you got one that's kind of doing some of the rated R stuff. So it was interesting to see their development over these years. And what are their names? Uh, Bailey, Chloe Bailey, C H L O E Bailey. Hopefully. Is it Chloe and Haley? Yeah, they, they've seen the theme song to Grownish. Oh, really? Is that them? Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, once you said, it, I was like, I think, I think they've seen the the theme song to uh to Grownish. Hmm. You know that I, I, I like that song. Anyway, so so yeah, so so far pretty decent, but it you know it's dark. It's got the dark energy that Donald Glover has. 
Swarm, swarm. And that's all I've been watching. Okay. Well, this episode of Filmmaker Commentary is brought to you by Grind Over Matter Films and Natural Hair the Movie. Available to stream for free on Tubi and Roku on demand. Please check it out and leave a review. And let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Kill Bill, Volume 1, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, 2003. Let's jump into the synopsis. Four years after taking a bullet in the head at her own wedding, the bride emerges from a coma and decides it's time for payback with a vengeance. Determined to finish the kill or be killed fight she didn't start, she hunts down her former boss, Bill, and the deadly squad of international assassins who perpetrated the bloody attack. Kill Bill Volume 1. And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be Spoilers. Spoilers. You've been forewarned. And what's who's in our cast of Kill Bill Volume One? Kill Bill features a star-studded cast, um, consisting of first off the Bride, played by one Uma Thurman, Oren Ishi, played by the lovely Lucy Liu, as well as the vivacious. Vivica Fox playing the role of Vernita Green. Yes, indeed. As well as a comeback of one Daryl Hannah from uh, Mermaid or Splash That's fame. That's right. As Ellie Driver. And we covered her in Wall Street when she had the little weird run oh, through the beach. That's right. That's right. I was like, I was like man, what else did we, did we see her in? Yeah, but that, that's, all, that's all 80s vibes there. But it was cool to see her make a comeback with something in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. We have the, uh, the the legend David Carradine of Kung Fu fame yes. as the self-titled Bill. And we have one um, Quentin Tarantino fave, one Michael Madsen as Bud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's some other uh, actors as well who make appearances. Actually, I'll also make sure to to mention uh, one of the Japanese actors who Tarantino was high on, who is the, the sword maker. Where's my oh, man? Sony Sony Chiba? Sony Chiba. Was that his name? Like his real name, but... Hazanzo. Uh, Wait, what was his name? It was, uh, he was doing the Harizano? Harizano? Knives? Uh, yeah, yeah, Shin, Shin, Shinchi Chiba. Sony Chiba. Hattori Hanzo. Sony Chiba. Hattori Hanzo. Oh, yeah. He's been around. Um, When did you, how did you watch this film? When did you first check it out? I'm not quite sure. Wow. I don't, I don't think I saw it in the theaters. Maybe I did, but I don't, I don't remember if I saw it in the theaters or not, or if it was, Later on, renting it with some friends. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but when I saw it, I know I liked it. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't know that I saw it in the theaters. How about you? I remember it was around, of course, oh three. I was in college, and my sister. I was. I remember being on the phone with her, and she's like, "I think you'll dig this movie." Mm. You know, because I mean, I was a Tarantino fan. I watched um, Pulp Fiction. Uh, probably 40 times ah. know, while I was in high school. And so, um, and it's been a while. And Jackie Brown, at that time, I was like, eh, you know, I wasn't really digging it as much as I do as an as a older adult. Um, 
she said, I think you'll dig this one though. Because I was really into martial arts and all that stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And so, yeah, dug it right away and got all the reference, not all the reference, but a lot of reference from martial arts because I used to watch a lot of the martial arts films and then got RZA involved. And I mean, talking about a martial arts nerd, that's RZA all day. I mean, his name is RZA. For goodness sake. Um, and what does that mean for the audience? For like, so Wu-Tang, are you like, RZA's part of the Wu-Tang clan and mm-hmm. they all have taken names from different martial arts films. <laughs> Characters from the martial arts film, like they they have their own style just like a martial artist would have their own style and each one of these, each one of these rap characters have mm-hmm. their own style. So, I mean, these guys are committed. Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> again, the 36 Chambers, right? Yeah. That's, that literally falls to the name of of a film. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And so, and they call, you know, they're where they're from, even in New York, Brooklyn, like Shaolin. I mm. mean, it's it very, very interesting how they do their thing. Anyhow, um, what did you like or not like about this film? And how did you watch it this time? This time I watched, actually, I went to a buddy's place. Shout out to my man, Chris Knox. Yes. I uh, went to, to his spot. He's got a, a nice home theater set up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, rented it off of, even though I forgot it on Blu-ray, but we rented it off of uh, on, on iTunes. Oh, off iTunes. Okay. And it was streaming 4K. It was looking lovely. <laughs> I was like, yo, it, this, it's a beautifully shot film. Absolutely. People, even when I revisited it on, on my TV, I'm like, yo, this is, it holds up. It's, crisp it's beautiful even like the opening scene um you know being in black and white it's thing stuff is just popping it's so crisp yeah and the sound design is 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 great the music's great i mean i i, I like it all yeah um in particular man i gotta give mad props to uma thurman because on so many of the scenes you know you can you can see her face you can tell she's putting in the work oh yeah and even even with vivica fox and, and her and her she's like i was like yo there i mean yeah they have stunt doubles you know you know miss moneymaker is is uma's double which you oh can't, zoe bell mm-hmm, you can't go wrong with her mm-hmm. but uh but uma's putting in mad work from her pronunciation of the japanese words to even her learning how to actually hold and handle a sword yeah it's like, yo this is you gotta uh, respect that oh yeah but yeah super physical um some of the different lines and quotes, the music. Yeah, I dug the whole thing. How about you, Seth? Likewise. I, yeah, I like that they put the time in. Um, I like, from a style standpoint, just the like how intentional shots are. Yes. It was like, this is intentional. This, I mean, yeah, it's like, okay, this is a filmmaker putting this film together. We're not just getting coverage here. We're getting mm. exactly what I want. Exactly. And Quinn says he won't move on until he gets... Yep. What he wants. Um, it's even in like I looked at the script. Um, it's even written like, for example, when uh, when the movie opens up and we see uh, Uma going like this is the second scene after the first scene. Um, she walks to the house to see Vernita Green, and it says white fing- white long female finger pushes doorbell, and it's like close up. Like that's in the mm. script that it's a close up. Makes sense because yeah. there, there are so many specific close-ups in this film you yeah. know which is almost like a tarantino thing but it's also a, a it's also a callback to these different kinds of films right the close-up on the eyes yeah uh many a time like boom always coming back to the eyes and whoo, whoo, you yeah. know and the sound effect of things moving around yeah yeah very very intentional and that um so yeah so i just kind of like how intentional that is and that's a martial arts style if you look at all the like older martial arts films and kind of seeing those zoom ins you know Oh, yeah. 70s style too yes <laughs> um, and then I just like the music and I like that RZA was involved with it and it just makes it feel more colorful 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Culture. Mm. Uh, there was no commentary, uh, but was there some special features on the Blu-ray? Uh, there was. There's, there are a couple of special features. Uh, there's one that's called The Making of Kill Bill, Volume 1. Then there is the five, six, seven, eights bonus material performances. And then there's, there's a bunch of Tarantino trailers for Reservoir Dogs. Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill Volume 1, Teaser, Kill Bill Volume 1, Bootleg Trailer, and Kill Bill Volume 2, Teaser. Teaser. Um, from a tone standpoint, um, how do you, what kind of tone are you getting? Violence. <laughs> Absolutely. Unflinching yeah. violence. Absolutely. But it's also, it's tongue, there's, there's a bit of tongue in cheek yeah. in the film as well. So like when you, again, a prime example is when uh, the bride shows up at the the household of Renita Green, yeah. and she gets there, and they start talking. And it's like you know the initial like you know seeing each other, the shock. Yeah. And every time you know, once the bride sees one of the people that were involved with her getting jacked up and killed, you know, or attempted murder, you hear the, the kind of the kind of the siren callback effect, and then you see her flashing back to being in the chapel and seeing mm-hmm. their face. That's a Quincy Jones track. Mm. That when you hear that alarm, they. Dun, dun, dun. That's mm. Quincy Jones' uh, composition. Nice. And I only know that because, like, we watch the subtitles, and so like the subtitles will tell you like, sometimes like what song it is that's playing. I, I use those when I watched it, watched it through again uh-huh. just to get some of the quotes down. Yeah. That's super helpful. Oh, okay, let me see exactly what they're saying. <laughs> right. I, boop, pause that. But uh, but just that tension, and then they go into the fight, which is like pretty crazy intense. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. You know, you see them, they're in front of the window, and all of a sudden, you see the school bus come into frame. And oh, you yeah. already know, it's going oh, down. Yeah. she's got a kid, and she's getting off that bus. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the the whole the vibe changes. Now they have to both <laughs> look like they're just... We're just playing. Old friends catching up, and the little girl's like, what Bloody. happened? I'll, I'll say that quote for later, but, you know, when she <laughs> asks about what, what, what happened in that room, <laughs> and she's like, that dog, you're no good dog. He's <laughs> yeah, acting a fool. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you get that little tongue in cheek back and forth. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I dig that in that vibe. It breaks up the the intensity. Yeah, um, style. Yeah, or tone. I mean, um, yeah, because we open up black and white. Blood, you know, Bill's talking off screen. We don't know who he is. We do know who he is, but we don't know who he is. Um, you know, he's wiping her head down. You know, wiping up. But I can, you know, cook an egg on your forehead. You're so hot, kind of type of situation. His voice though was great in the role. His voice is yeah. like perfect. Man, he's a professional. Yes, sir. Um, so while he's talking, we see that it's Bill because his handkerchief shows. Sadistic. <laughs> do you think I'm sadistic right now? It's like, <laughs> Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, we don't. I mean, we don't really know what happened. We just see this bloody lady in a bride gown, yeah, um, dress, and she gets her face gets shot. Basically, <laughs> you know, off top, a woman laying on the ground, bloodied, beat up. A man is talking to her, so obviously he's involved with the beating of this lady in a bride dress. This is pretty brutal. Then he shoots yeah. her in the face while she's trying to tell him the baby is yours. The baby is. <laughs> You ain't finishing the sentence. No. Mm. Yeah, that's rough. That sets the tone for what we're getting involved in. Somebody cancel this. And, you know, good thing it was in black and white. They probably wouldn't have gotten a rated R um, rating. We probably would have been NC-17. Mm, yeah. Probably, probably would You can't just shoot a woman in the face, like, close up. That's the first shot of the film? Yeah. 
Oh, you got shots, huh? Okay, we got <laughs> we got we got something for you. Yeah. Um, from a music standpoint, I mean, dude, it's, it's a solid. It's like listen to a soundtrack. Beautiful. And then, then you have the compositions that's played. I mean, this is well done. Like you can tell, this is like um, love. This is done out of love. I actually had to go and look up one of the one of the songs because mm-hmm. I was like I was like man what is that it's it's just so beautiful and it's uh-huh. it's it's kind of a theme that plays throughout the the film but it's it's got the vibe like you know she's on her journey that one uh, this one is like <laughs> it, 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 it that that, that, that was justice. catchy too but yeah. it, but it, it's like it's it feels like this blend of of kind of Japanese kind of folklore samurai uh, heritage and then but it also feels like spaghetti western yeah. and it feels like they're meeting together the trumpet oh yeah that one was I uh I mean I put it on one of my playlists I'm like you know I'm, I'm jamming to this <laughs> what it's is it called it is called da, da, da. here we go It's called the Grand Duel. Okay. Parte prima and parte due by uh, Louis Bakloff. Bak Bak Bakalov. The Grand Duel. I can dig it. Yeah, the Grand Duel, and then Stormrider. The Grand Duel. It's like two parts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but they play especially during the 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 Osai uh, o, Oren origin scene uh-huh. when her dad's fighting and trying to defend his family. Like yeah. it's it's playing during that. It's just I don't know. It's just something about it that's like kind of haunting, but it's but it's beautiful. Uh-huh. I like it, yes, sir. Um, from a styling standpoint, what did you see? I saw a lot. I mean, this <laughs> like this this film is it's beautiful. Like we, yeah. I mean, we we the color palette changes we go from monochrome and black and white yeah to the kind of bright and bold colors when she pulls up in the in the pee wagon you know <laughs> um pee i don't remember that <laughs> <laughs> then we well then we we have a whole stylistic change into anime as we see the the origin of yeah. oh and then this and it's a kind of a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an anime style, but it but it's it's gritty and, and it's like and rough. It's like, it feels like it's a like a sketch that's colored in. Yeah, and you can tell like every single frame is hand drawn. Yeah, for real. But it's but it's yeah, but it, it's gritty in that in that sense. And like you said, there there are very intentional shots and close ups. We get close up of the eyes, and of course, the Tarantino films we get close up of, of feet and toes, like you know, continually throughout. Absolutely. Um, but we get we get again unflinching. Like this violence, yeah. um, and we get we get anime style blood spray when someone gets sliced or cut. Yeah, it's, raining it's like blood. A, like arteries have been severed, <laughs> and they are ejecting blood like a sprinkler it. system. I love it. Uh, so yeah, but it's it's beautiful. It's, this is a this is a beautiful film. What about you, sir? Yeah, I agree. I did say the close up of feet, but like the long tracking shots, which is basically a Tarantino thing. You know, he's going to have a long tracking shot somewhere in the film. Um, and with, I like uh, like how the like the girl, the uh, what's the name of the band? The uh, five six seven eights. Five six seven eights. I just like how he has them playing live music while all this is going on. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I just like how he incorporates music within like his like what he likes 
as part of what he's showing us. Like, hey, I actually like this song. Let me put that in there. And so you kind of get more of a, a vibe um, for the filmmaker because he's putting his taste on it as well. I like also how how the music, and this happened in Jackie Brown as well, mm-hmm. how the music will just cut out yeah. during times of, of action. Yeah. And it kind of it kind of draws you in even more so you can hear those effects which again you know this is this is pulling so much from like in the 70s martial art film era so you hear those yeah, all those yeah, movements absolutely. like coming in it's just and then it'll, it'll you know then either kick back in with some original score from RZA uh-huh. or it may be one of these tracks from these different songs it's it's, it's, it's all but it all is seamless and yeah. it, it works and blends so beautifully yeah, it feels like the the hits hit harder when there's no music playing. You just hear the sound effect and the the cry of the person being hurt. Oh man! <laughs> and even like this, where where they choose to intercut dialogue, like in the conversations, like it's not a normal. You know, it's that Tarantino dialogue, mm. but like it it's kind of got this heightened sense of this Eastern kind of honor. Especially yeah. between the bride and Oren towards the end. Oh yeah, it's respect for warrior, like warrior respect, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, we'll get the quotes later yes. on, but there's some, there's some. It's definitely a style. There. Beautiful lines in there. Um, I got a couple of themes. Um, I just wrote, and I got this from uh, Uma Thurman, mm-hmm. and when she was just saying it's redemption, revenge, and justice. Yep, yeah, got like, the same ones. Like you just wrapped, she just wrapped that up. I didn't have to dive into that too yep, much. I was she like. Di- Check, check, check. You're right. right. Moving on. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. But there is a a particular film. And I remember, I remember, excuse me, hearing this before. Somebody had had made reference to uh, Kill Bill being a a, a, a very closely mimicking and mirroring a film called Lady Snowblood. Okay. But like that, but, but in this, like Uma says that, yeah, Quentin showed her that film. Like, so it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely unabashedly a part of the, the DNA of, of Kill Bill. Like, I, I actually want to see the film eventually. Right. Cause I'm like, oh, okay. And he, uh, Tarantino, like he, he'll tell you where he jacked his stuff from, you know, it's like, yeah, I got this from there, got it from there. And like people kind of bash him on it, but he's, it'd be different if he was trying to hide where he's. You could say stealing or where he synthesizes the he's things. Giving, from. He's homaging. Yeah. Like for me, like he's he's straight homaging. He, right. he's, he's not trying to be shady about it. He's like, no, this came from here at this time with this director. This, he's, I mean, everybody's heard about his encyclopedic uh, yeah. cinephile knowledge, and it's mm-hmm. just hey, he's showing what he what he loved and grew up on. Yeah. And that's cool to be able Make to transmute that passion. Yeah, and and be able to draw audiences in. Love it. Do you have any favorite scenes or memorable scenes? Why I, I just might. <laughs> this is me at uh, my least sadistic. But anyway, all right. So uh, the, again, the opening scene, I it it's gripping. It's compelling. It's because yeah. she's breathing like like last breath. <laughs> You're like, wait, what is happening? What happened to her? Why is right? She's supposed to be the heroine of this film. She's looking dragged up. Yeah, and this guy's. Being tender with her, but you know it's a setup to something bad because yeah. he's wiping blood off her face slowly, and then he's speaking very tenderly to her. I bet I could fry an egg on your forehead right now. Yeah. What's he gonna do? You know, you you know, it's, <laughs> oh, you know, no. it's gonna be bad. But yeah, so that opening scene, lovely. Uh, for me, it's the following scene with Vivica Fox. That's probably one of my favorite, just of all time. I like the dialogue. Yes. Um, and just how they got after it, you know, they had to work out and get in good shape and Vivica, I, I forget the story that she kind of talked 
uh, when she was talking to Tarantino about her getting in shape. He said, like, well, at least your butt to look nice or something like that. And it, man, like, okay, they got that. Ooh-wee. They got that scene where, like, they're squared up again, yeah. right, right as the bus pulls in the frame. Yeah. And they're both, like, in shape. Like, yeah. Got it together. Vivica's, like, in the best shape of her life. Like, right. Okay, we see you, Vivica. We you see put, you. You putting in the work. Respect. Respect. Um, so, yeah, that's one of my. I one of my favorite fight scenes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love I love that whole scene like that. When I think about Kill Bill, I my mind immediately goes to that whole interaction because it's that's a it's a brutal scene. Like yeah. when she, when Vivica, Vivica gets flipped onto the glass and it, the way it shatters and just her reaction, like oh, you're like oof, that that it, it looks painful. Yeah, man, they, she she was selling that. She, yeah. Um, and even she does a little, a little like Bruce Lee. She yeah, at one yeah, point, yeah. I'm like, yo, oh, I, I love that. Like, okay, <laughs> I see you. Like, I'm being the, the little shoulder jerk. Like, come get on, get some like, style, man. Yeah. I'm like, I, I dig that. Uh, and just yeah. how you know how it ends. Like they mm-hmm. in the kitchen at the conversation, and then the uh, the setup. You know, I'm like man, like she's she's been waiting for somebody to come after. Her. Like you, you've killed enough people. Like you got to keep. You know, you're looking uh, over stay your ready. shoulder. I mean, you're not you're assassin for a reason. You stay ready. You got the gun in the cereal box, but unfortunately, your aim is a little wonky. Man, <laughs> it cost you. Yeah, it'd have been a short film. <laughs> Almost <laughs> killed. <Bill. laughs> yeah, <laughs> attempting to kill Bill. Right. Oh man, but uh, yeah, man, beautiful, beautiful scene. Um, again, for me, again, the memorable scene is again once she, the bride, wakes up. And she, you know, from from her her coma, and yeah. she pops up, and then the realization that her child is gone, and Uma just, I mean, her performance in this is she goes so She's many places believable. emotionally. Uh, and, I was watching this with the wife, and she was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, Uma like, when she woke up and it was like, "My baby," it's like, "Whoa!" It like, yeah. She's doing it. She's yeah. going there. She went there. It's like, man. So the emotions are there, but all the more kind of invest you into her, like. Get these bastards, you know? Right, like, absolutely. Man. I like the scene uh, when um, the bride is going to get the, am I saying it right? The Harizanzo knife. How do you say the knife? How do you say the name? Uh, Hattori Hanzo. Hattori Hanzo. Yeah, there it is. Hattori Hanzo knife. Steel. Sword. Japanese steel. Uh, so she's going to get that. Just like the whole, she pretends to be a silly American, and he's like kind of patronizing her. Uh, but while she's doing that, he's talking crazy to his son. Oh <laughs> man! In the in the Japanese, because I like I like the Japanese tongue because it's like it's like stern and like how you, you have to use like a deeper tone when you talk with it. Yeah, I just like I just like that style. I like it when it revs like, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then it rises up like yeah. something like guttural about that. I used to watch a lot of Japanese wrestling and yeah. I would listen to like to the announcers calling matches and you would hear that the, the, the range and the excitement or wrestling and Mike, the cutting promos. And right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I dig that. But like, even like when the, in the cell, you know, like he's like, oh, you like you, you lazy bastard. You know, like he's like cursing his son, and and then he goes back to smiling to uh, <laughs> to the American. Um, I just like how that whole scene plays out to like, oh, she actually does understand uh, the language, and he starts talking to her in the language, and it gets real serious real quick. Oh yeah, um, I just like how they. Just in the comedy between him and his son, and how they you understand? And then, oh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And even like when his son comes around, because like when you watch anime, sometimes you get certain characters that they've got this uh, nonchalant attitude. Yeah. Like so, even when his son comes around, he's like, 
yeah, like, like, what do you want? You know, yeah. what do you want? You know, it's like just so dismissive <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's really, really, really well done. Yeah, it feels like a, uh, that part feels like a stage play. Mm. Yeah, man. But it's so cool that like, you, you're being, but you're being like brought in and you still, mm-hmm. I don't know, you can still ap- appreciate, even though there's like there's subtitles going on, but you're like, okay, you're still in on it. That's, that's not easy. That's not an easy thing to pull off. Yeah, those sub- my subtitles will get in the way of those subtitles that are actually in the film. Like, mm. uh, oh, I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's more. Uh, so my my next uh, memorable scene is the the origin of one Oren. So we get this pause and because she gives you a little bit of backstory on each of these different uh, killers who are a member of the uh, Cobra uh, Elite Death Squad. De- yeah, something. Deadly assassins, uh, so it's on there somewhere. Also, like what lead, leads to it is that when we see uh, the bride uh, fighting Vernita, and then after she kills Vernita, she marks off the list, right? AKA Copperhead. But she's number two on the list. So mm. we didn't witness her kill the first one on the list. We're like, wait, this is out of sequence. This is Tarantino getting out of sequence, and yeah. so it was like we didn't get a chance to see what happened to the first person. So we get to see what hat who Oren she Orishi, mm-hmm. Oren Ishi. You know, we get to see um, her origin, and you were saying yes, and so and all of a sudden again we start we start hearing the 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 theme uh, of the song that I mentioned earlier. Um. And now the, the the style of the film changes to an anime style, hand drawn anime style, and we see Oren as a, a small, you know, wide eyed Japanese American, Chinese Japanese American girl on a uh, Japanese Air Force base, and her and her, her father is in this room fighting fighting off these guys. He's holding his own. He's yeah. he, he's putting it on him, beating the brakes off of. Oh yeah. And it's, it's and it's brutal and it's bloody and it's violent and then all of a sudden he just gets a, gets a sword, sword in the, the back, back. Yeah. and uh, and then we see him die and as he falls to the ground we get kind of a almost like a trope shot of you know the person falls to the ground the person who's hiding under the bed uh, sees them looking at them yeah. as they die but then they have to stay quiet and not say anything and we see literally the words like whimper yeah. Like an actual word bubble comes out of her mouth. And then she stops the word from coming in, breathes mm. back in her mouth. It's like, oh, this is a great visual. Oh, man. Covers the mouth. And <gasps> um, and then her mom gets thrown on the bed. And then and then the uh, the boss, you know, gets handed the blade by the other guy who that was used to kill her father, Oren's father. And then that blade gets used to st- 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 struck right through her mother and lands right to the to the right side of of. Oren's head doesn't strike her, but just right to the side of her head. And yeah. when we see the blood slowly begin to pull up in drops, splatter on Oren's face. Yeah. As she realized both her parents have been murdered and the place burns down. And then she then uh, extracts her revenge because yeah. this guy is a pedophile, gets what he deserves. And at 11, she strikes him down. Yeah. And from there, she goes on to become a, you know, top 20 assassin in the world by the age of. 23 or so. Yeah. And then makes the fatal mistake of attacking the bride. Ah, yep. Um, I wouldn't say this is a favorite scene, but it's memorable. And this is during the time when um, the bride is in a coma and 
she's in a coma and there's guys having sex with her while oh, she's in man. a coma. Rape. Buck and his friend come in to uh to rape her. Basically while she's in a coma. And this has been going on for years. Yeah, and this guy's been selling basically selling uh the bride's body to to customers to come in. It's it's pretty disturbing. It is and um her realizing what happened and to get the satisfaction of her getting revenge on the guys, like you don't even feel bad on how they're dying because Not it's like least. it's like, yeah, you deserve your yeah, face to be crushed in. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so like just the satisfaction of that. It's like, dang, you discover you like you realize what's happening and then, you know, to see her get that revenge. It's like that feel it's a little bit of revenge. So like, again, like like those revenge films. Again, we we did a lot of research on revenge oh, films. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. got it's got some of that is is there that spit on your grave kind of yeah. you know. It's not as it's hard it's hard it's hard to say it's not as brutal as those. Right. But uh, but yeah, she got those bastards and they they got what they deserve. Absolutely. I'm still not quite sure how the first guy died. I know she was biting on his lip. Yeah, it didn't. I'm like, how did he? It feels like there's something missing there. I'm like, yeah, how like, did he? Die though, like did she? I don't know. I'm like I don't know. I don't quite get it. I see him. He was like, ah, you know, screaming. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. I don't know if she like maybe they cut that part out. Maybe I don't know. She was supposed to biting his neck and pulled out an artery. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I I didn't quite get. That's uh, movie world because I mean, you wake up out of coma, you ain't doing nothing. Yeah, because even like with her, (laughs) I'm like, because like okay, even when she gets into the wheelchair, she's and she's rolling through a parking lot i'm like you mm. couldn't even move your legs like how do your arms have so much energy you've just used them to smash a guy's head in yeah but okay you know we'll let it it's we'll movie let's, world yeah if, she's, if she's four she's years of laying down forget about it yeah yeah it's trying to <laughs> forget about it you're not yeah. doing kung fu today ma'am yeah no ma'am um another memorable scene for me uh, is when Oren again, when she's she's now become the leader of the Yakuza, mm-hmm. and there's one guy who basically is kind of refuting her her role of leadership, and yeah. it's based upon her her ethnicity and her her national origin, being mm-hmm. both you know Chinese, Japanese, American. Yeah, and we just see her swiftly jump up. And then, she got there quick, didn't she? Yo, <laughs> we don't even see her jump. Feet. She's just on the table. <laughs> And that's that's kind of one of those martial art movies tropes where you see the move quickly and then the the, the normally we would see it like on a rooftop but it's on the table and then, just the slicing on the sword and this guy is done head detached from body. And I forgot it, what he said because she 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 was like you know because the other guys are giving him a hard time. It's like what are you describing about what's wrong like because he lets out this sigh or just hits the table. He's mad like what's your problem? And then he kind of goes on to explain. And then he said, "It's like they close. It's like a close up. He's like this half breed, da 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 da. Yeah, like at Oren. And then next thing you know, she's on the table. <laughs> I like we don't see any of that. It's just after he says she's a half breed, she's just on the table. It's done. She made she made a point. And then she goes into this very professional. You know, at any time, if any of you have any questions about my leadership and wish to challenge me, yes. I am open to yeah. these things. And he goes, but. The one thing that will not be brought up is my nationality or ethnicity in a negative sense. Yeah. And then she she ramps up even more, you know. Um, so you you mentioned that and you ever are dead. Yeah. You know, now who collect, else got something to I say? Collect your effing head. Like, and she holds up the guy's head who was one of the founders of this uh, clan. Let's keep that in mind with her dad. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been he's been found dead. Yes. 
but yeah, man, that's uh, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah. And again, man, Lucy Lou, man, in this, she's uh, oh wee, looking lovely. And <laughs> I I particularly like the way she looks when they're in the church scene with the way they have her hair kind of going. Like I don't know, like they with the with the black. <laughs> I'm like, Yes, she got some sister vibes with that with, that, the, with that, the flip. Yo, they're they're all looking real fly, like and, and they're all black. I'm like, yo, this squad is mean, but they, they look good doing it, right? <laughs> like, yo, they're killing folks. But they look good though. They look good. <laughs> like Bill got them stylish. I'm yeah. like, oh man, they're yeah. You see them coming? It's too late. You got a heck of a stable there, sir. You know, uh, <laughs> I would love to see a prequel of like this squad just doing work. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yo, they'd have to recast at this point. To, oh yeah, we're not going back. Yeah, yeah, that, everyone's over with it. Yeah, <laughs> this is twenty Those years days over. It's literally twenty years later. It's like, yeah, no, Uma's I, daughter looks like her. Really? So when you see Uma uh, get up uh, when she first wakes up from the coma, she looks just like her daughter in Stranger Things. They look alike. Her daughter's in Stranger Things. Yeah, the redhead. Yeah, it's the one that's no, 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 not not uh, not the redhead. It's the other one that was lesbian. She wasn't kind of sure about it. In Stranger Things. In Stranger Things, uh, she was friends with the guy, and then she, and they were working at the uh, ice cream parlor. Oh, she worked for the newspaper, the school. No, paper? not not her. It's the it's you gotta look this up because you gotta look at it yeah, now we gotta uh and then she was she was always joking with the guy she was like do you always hang around little kids like she was <laughs> yeah she's real sarcastic yeah okay i know what you're talking about now but yeah I, oh yeah yeah because she because she's around like steve she hangs around she's worked at the ice cream parlor yeah god gotcha. she was giving him a hard time and remember he was like playing because like, he was kind of trying to like you know like, shout out at her at yeah. one point but yeah but she shut him down yeah Okay, yeah, I know you're talking about, but I, huh? Yeah, so that's uh, a mixture of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. So, uh, mm. it, particularly in that shot, looks just like her. Wow. Hmm. Well. <laughs> but yeah, Lucy. But if you do a prequel, I mean, her daughter could do it. That's what I'm saying. That's true. But yeah, but anyway, but yeah, the the death the death squad is yeah they own one yeah they are yeah they are on one <laughs> but yeah they, they look that that would be a cool poster to have the cause them like kind of stand like the 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 shot like kind of the upward angle of them kind of standing over yeah it's like surround it's money um one of the last scenes um it's memorable is like when um we see in the frame right of the uh frame right of the scene we see the car pull up stop trunk open typical tarantino shot with the trunk with the person peering in we saw that in jackie brown yeah, um but this one's like red it has like the red um glow in it got some red light going on there and it's uh it's the bride and she's talking to sophia sophia fatale sophia fatale and she was like kind of giving her all these instructions she just dumps her body down the hill and just rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls, and rolls. like dang where's she going and then it reveals a hospital it's like oh okay shoes come off like all the way down man that's a heck of a stunt woman that woman like she put in some extra rolls like you're not supposed to roll that far. yeah like into the street like oh yeah, yeah. she just kept rolling i was like yeah that was, nah, we'll keep it we'll that keep was it. extra we'll a little extra roll there i'm paid by the rotation apparently yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, that's uh, and it goes, you know, the the final fight scene that that right. is uh, with uh, with Oren. Just everybody. I mean, well, that's the final final fight scene is with Oren. 
the I guess the last act. <laughs> this is the whole last act yeah. when once the bride shows up at the spot where okay. Oren is at, just everything that unfolds there from from Oren like the warrior that warrior sense of like she's there with everybody was laughing also she's like and just throws the shrugan yeah goes through the paper door you know sticks (laughs) yeah she's like go go and then bam bodyguard is on it looking out there it's just it's 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 just clean like the way the whole thing unfolds and she's battling even to you know the the fight at the end just the 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 build up once once they meet each other on the rooftop yeah and it, it just it just slows down, and there's like this 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 preparation for this fight. Yeah, you know, Orion takes off. You know, comes out of her her sandals, just you know, slowly yeah. stepping on, on the snow, and then you know, a little, little bit of trash talk happening, and yeah, and then they're going at, and then boom, she gets the slice on the back of the bride. Man, the bride hits the ground, which is I think a smart move. It's like okay, it's, the snow was cold. It's gonna maybe kind of you know get in the wound, maybe kind of you know, yeah, maybe. numb it up some. And then Owen talks a little trash. Oh, little Caucasian girl wants to come and play with swords, you know, like a samurai. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that, that just sets the bride off. Bride gets back up and they go at it again. And now the bride gets a slice. Swipe at the kidney or something like that. Yeah. It was, it was down low. And they separate for a moment. And then. Foot is leaking. It's like, just the, <laughs> it was like, oh, she's leaking. Oren is leaking. Mm. And, but then when Oren, then now, then she says, you know, about, you know, taunting you. She says in Japanese, you know, yeah. I apologize. Accept it. Yeah. I'm like, yo. Sometimes you got to cut people to get respect. Wait, That's all I'm saying. There you go. <laughs> Put some respect on my name <laughs> and my blade. Man, I mean, you get sliced like that. It's like, whew, that ain't fun. No. And this blade is hella sharp. <laughs> like, this Japanese still is no joke. It I mean, she's other is, knives. Yeah. And she's decapitating body parts left and right. And it's not even dough. It's going through like butter. Like butter, and even you know, scalps, skulls, kneecaps, shins it does it all. It slices, it dices, it julians. Like, this thing is this is if she went to the right place, got the right kind of blade. It's like, man, absolutely. Uh, do you have any more memorable scenes? Man, the whole damn movie, is, yeah, is, it was is, the whole movie's good. It's uh, I, whenever I'm around somebody and they just mention this, I said, I always say, like, Man, I need to watch Kill Bill. Yeah. And it's been a while, but I'm so happy to revisit it. Yeah. Well done. Uh, what kind of tropes do you have? Tropes, tropes, tropes. Um, I have tropes of uh, the giant battle of like 100 versus one odds. I know. That's Bruce Lee all day, right? All With day. The nunchucks. Um, shoot. I've already talked about all these, which are just like, I think there's just Tarantino tropes. The, from the foot shots to the long yeah. tracking shots and things being out of sequence and you're trying to figure out like okay th- what's going on like that girl said you don't know what's going on do, <laughs> do you know what's going on yeah absolutely <laughs> 100% uh, I mentioned the, the the silhouette fight oh that so was when good so when they get upstairs and the moon lights go off yeah and all of a sudden whoo, whoo, straight silhouette action happening yeah that's, that's a cool little cheat too because now you don't have to show a face so your stunt double can just fight go to work yeah oh yeah and I mentioned um, having uh, the the voice of a faceless villain, you know, which is what you know what Bill is during True. during this first volume. Absolutely, but it even says in the opening credits that it's David Carradine, you know, playing it. I was <laughs> like, oh, it, oh, it gives it away <laughs> early on. I was like, oh, I didn't. I, I was like, oh, well, there it is. Uh, and then again, also kind of a Tarantino trope, the the title cards that give you the, both the chapter yeah. and location, kind of throughout. It's like, is this a book? What are we doing? 
hey, I, I always appreciate it. But here's what also made me realize is that how big of, excuse me, how big of fans the Russo brothers are of Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Excuse their me, their big titles and things. Exactly, because in Civil in Captain America Civil War, you see like when they go to different locations, you know, Lagos. Yeah, you know, very uh, large print over the whole screen. Yeah, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Oh, not Brooklyn. Uh, where's Spider Man? Spider Man is in Queens. Ah, yeah, that your go. boy's from Brooklyn. Steve's from Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> Brooklyn. Anyway, but yeah, you see those, and then of course at the very end, oh, actually, it's Winter Soldier. At the end, they have the they have the caption from Pulp Fiction. He said, "Oh, he was a he was a righteous man or whatever." Ah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah it's maybe, right. it made me think of think of those things. Like, okay, they got some Tarantino influences going on in this stuff. But cool. yeah, those are some of the tropes. And I'm sure there's so many more, especially when it comes film. to the martial arts stuff. There, I mean, there's just so many uh, there. There's like you know, we'll be here all day. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Um, what kind of quotes do you have? Quotes, quotes, quotes. My first quote is that good for nothing dog of yours. Guys in the last living room and acted a damn fool. <laughs> One Vernita Green explaining to her daughter uh, what happened in the living room. Why it was so messy and why this baby has glass everywhere. You can't you can't step on this. <laughs> um, so this is the scene where the bride is in a coma, and then we see um, what's the assassin's name with the patch on her eye? Ellie Driver. Ellie Driver. She California Mountain Snake. How's the song go? So she's going to deliver her a shot via. The IV, and, and it's poison in it, of course. And of she's course. like, you know, you're lucky, you know, in this, you know, line of work, we don't get this luxury of being able to die in our sleep. Mm. Um, and as soon as she's about to do it, Bill calls her and says, "No, no mission abort," you know. And then <laughs> he said, and he's like, "We owe her." And she's like, "You don't owe her shit." <laughs> it's like, Lower your voice. You don't owe her shit. <laughs> It's so that that uh, part's so well done. You're like, oh, that's kind of how you would react. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I just thought that was great. Um, and you know, you go through all this work and trying to kill this lady, and then you know, because we watch her, we watch her walk into the hospital, walk down the hallway, go into a room, put on a whole nurse uniform, even yeah. with the stockings. Got her little cap on with the cross on. Even has a matching nurse eye patch with yeah. a red cross on. Like she took some time to get this outfit together, yes. honey. <laughs> got the got the right amount of dosage in the needle, and is ready to f- complete the job and set her piece. Yeah, and and Bill aborts the mission. Yeah, that was funny. So uh, a quote I have is uh, this is from the bride talking to one Vernita, and once again in their home, and uh, she says. No, to get even, even Steven, yeah. I would have to kill you, go upstairs, kill your little girl, then wait for your husband to come home and kill him. That would be even, Vernita. I think we'll be square. Mm. <laughs> once, her, once again, her working the, the fingers with the uh, four-sided objects. Yes. Um, yeah, that one's good. Um, I, I can't remember the quote the line like verbatim, but within that same scene and um, the bride is talking to Vernita and she said, let's, you know, let's not fight here. Basically let's take it elsewhere. It's like, uh, <laughs> we'll do a knife fight. And then she, you know, let's talk about a knife fight. And then she said, uh, when do you want to do this? And then he said, depends so on when, when you, you want to die. die tonight, hey, tomorrow. tomorrow. How about tonight, tonight. bitch? <laughs> <laughs> 
there's a little league, you know, a field with my, 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 my team, but little league. Yeah. So we'll show up around 2 a.m., dressed in all black. You'll have a black hairnet on. Yeah. We'll be uninterrupted. Have us a little knife fight. I was like, dang. Yeah, that man. was great. That back and forth was solid. It absolutely was. And especially when she when she comes up, she's like, you know, I, you know, you, you know, I can't change the past or whatever, but I, I agree with you on behalf of my daughter. And yeah. she puts a photograph in her face. She's yeah. like, <laughs> please don't think because you know I, I'm not gonna kill you in front of your daughter that you're gonna garner any sympathy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the dialogue in that, that whole scene is uh, is money. Yeah. Uh, another quote I have is from the sheriff. He's got a different. He's got a specific yeah. name, but when he Michael, shows up, what's his name? His the actor. Um, Kevin Smith talks highly of him. Everybody loves this guy. He passed away not too long ago. Mm. Um, but he was he always plays a sheriff from Texas. He was in the uh, Planet Terror movie. He was also in it, him and his son. You know they're talking to each other. So what's going on here? He called him Son One or Son Number yeah, One, yeah. something like that. I'm like that's fascinating. Uh, what's this guy's name uh that's michael i thought it was mike something or michael um i could be wrong um and then he was also in dust till dawn got got shot in dust till dawn mm, but he he plays michael parks i guess it is michael parks earl earl mcgraw yeah so we'll man. call him sheriff sheriff mcgraw yeah he was in death proof it was death proof and uh, it was planet terror as well nice nice but he, he's there and he's he's knelt over looking at the bride and he's like you know complimenting how, how she's looking you know uh you know, uh, hair like 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 hay hay colored hair. I'm yeah, like, oh, you country man, <laughs> hay colored hair. And he says, um, "Man's got to be a mad dog shit." <laughs> man, yeah, mad as dog shit, dude. No, no, a man's got to be a mad dog to shoot a beautiful girl like that in the head. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's great. Do you remember Red State, the movie Red State, directed by Kevin Smith? Yes, he played the crazy pastor in there. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that guy, he's, he's always good in whatever he's in. He's, he's got the chops. Uh, one of my last quotes, um, at the end when we see the bride basically scalp uh, over in Ishii, and she like buckles down to her knees, and she's just like, that really was a Hatari Hansel still. I'm like, man, you got enough brain power to, <laughs> to say that properly. Like, yo, She's like giving respect as she's dying. You got a quarter of your brain gone in one last line. <laughs> you see her hair like go up in the air like cap- just decapitated not decapitated but scalped scalped yeah um this is uh ellie driver again once again when she's in the hospital ready to, to murder the bride and she says i might have never liked you point in fact i despise you Whoa. but that shouldn't suggest that i don't respect you yeah it's such a Weird thing to say, but just the just the way she opens up, I might have never liked you. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Like it's like, are you not sure? But then then you come back and say, No, matter of fact, I despise you. Like it's like she's thinking through her feelings. But yeah. I don't know, I just it, the way she delivers it, it's I don't know, like I just like the delivery. Um, another quote, this is this is Bill. And he, he's talking with her on, on to Ellie Driver on the <laughs> yeah. phone. Yeah. Uh, as he's aboard the mission. And he's like, you know, we did a, we we did a lot of terrible things, that girl. You know, he says, he says, you know, we, you know, we blah, 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 and shot her in the face and her heart wouldn't start beating. And he says, now you saw that for you, so for yourself with your own beautiful blue eye. Didn't blue you? eye. Yeah. <laughs> that he's specific and singular with your own blue eye. Didn't you? <laughs> uh, and then there's a line that both 
the bride and Oren say. When they're both, again, like pretty much the bride at this point has killed Oren's main crew of yeah. the crazy 88s. Yeah. And all of a sudden she hears motorcycles approaching. And Oren's like, you didn't think it would be that easy, did you? And the bride's like, you know, I, I actually did. Yeah, as an audience member, I think that's how we felt. Like, oh, I thought it was going to be. Right. That wasn't so bad. But then Oren says, no, uh, then the bride says, oh, starts it off. But I think Oren says, silly rabbit. Oh, and yeah. then the bride says, tricks are for it. And then Oren's he cuts back to Oren's kids. I just did the back and forth the way it's <laughs> cut. I'm like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's just cool. Very cool. Um, and then I got a couple more quotes, two more. Um, Again, this is the bride after this is right after at the end of the of the silhouette fight. She's mm-hmm. cut down the other guys and there's one guy left and the lights are back on now. Mm-hmm. And he's there holding his sword, trembling, and she's ching ching just cutting away at his blade. And he's he's there, he's just he's he's he's, he's practically just a kid. Yeah. And she grabs him and puts him over her knee and with the broad side of the sword proceeds to spank him and she says, Uh, this is what you get for fucking around, um, you know, with Yakuza. Now go home to your mother. Yeah. And just pop pop. And he sit. runs downstairs like wiping his eyes. Like, yeah. He's lucky to be alive with all of his limbs intact. Like <laughs> right. he 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 got off easy. Yeah. Uh and then lastly, oh, I got two more. Okay. Uh this is by the bride. And she she's approached she's now talking to all the guys who are on motorcycles and she is sliced and diced. Man. She says, But leave the limbs you lost. They belong to me now. Old girl tries to leave out of there. She, you stay. Oh uh, man, fatality, fatal. And then she Stephanie. is squirming and crying. She, I think she starts like actually like cursing in in French or whatever. But oh, she yeah. is, she is, uh, she's in pain. She's she's in discomfort. It's crazy. Like when uh, when we when the bride is first introduced into that area, and we discover she's there, and then she just just swipes off Stephanie's arm. She's like, ah! and then the arm is like spraying everywhere. Ah! Sound like she's just in pain. She's an arm. I'm like, whoo. That's that's right. It's and she's been laying there bleeding out all this I'm time. I'm surprised she's not dead. Yeah, I'm very surprised she's not dead. I'm like, <laughs> you handled this fairly well, all things considered. And even you know, you you roll later on. I'm yeah. like, they had to like cauterize your wound or something because you just bled yeah, out. Yeah, you were bleeding for a good while. Uh, and again, I mentioned this line earlier, but Oren says, you know, for ridiculing you earlier, I apologize. Yeah. Absolutely. Just a little bit of honor amongst assassins. The little water thing that goes. Oh, yeah, man. That's again, that's those moments like the music stops and in the silence of the, like they, it uses silence very well. Like yeah. Tarantino is not afraid to use silence in moments to, to amplify them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's quite beautiful. I agree. Well done. Um, what's his name? Is it Michael Manson? Madison? Madison? And Michael Madison. Well, what's his uh, character's name? He is simply called Bud. Bud. When he said, um, that woman deserves to get a revenge. Huh. They yes. like straight up respect. And it's like, nah, came back from the dead, basically. I mean, just be ready. I'm starting to think of volume two. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm getting excited to see volume two because like there, there's a move she does in this one mm-hmm. that she does in uh, in volume two. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that she pulled that move off. I'm like, 
Mm. I'm not going to spoil it for y'all now, but uh, you'll hear about it next week. Yes, indeed. Do you have any questions for the filmmakers? Mm. I have one question. And maybe, the, maybe perhaps the filmmaker, maybe Mr. Tarantino can answer it for me, but here's my question. So why did the trucker, the, the guy who's, who's there with, with Buck, mm. when he's getting ready to, to, to rape the bride, he, as he gets on top of her, he says, you're the best looking girl that I've had all day. What? Yeah, that's weird. This guy's just going like, uh, anyway, I was like, Ugh. <laughs> yuck. Yeah. Yeah, like why? Why did you say that? Anyway, <laughs> what did the other guy, the guy that's like kind of the salesman, like yeah, we do this, we do that. Buck. Here's some petroleum. Yeah, Buck. What do we? Know? Where's his face from? Like, what we? I just seen a movie with his face in it, and I just can't put my finger. Oh, I watched a movie called Blue Streak. Do you remember Blue Streak with Martin Lawrence? Yeah, he was in there. Yes, he's been. In a, a lot of stuff. He kind of just shows up and usually he's kind of playing uh, one of those characters, kind of a hick or a redneck kind of vibe. Yeah. My name is Buck and I'm here to. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why. That, as far as your question, uh, that's strange. Shouldn't say anything. Michael okay. Bowen is his name. Michael Bowen. A lot of Michaels. Yeah. Um, trivia. You want to kick it off? Um, Tarantino said that he felt home when he was shooting like all the Beijing stuff. Like he felt like, yeah, this this is where it belongs. And then when they went to shoot the stuff in L.A., he felt like they were on vacation, like it didn't belong. Yes, sir. Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman both came up with the concept of Kill Bill and the character of the Bride together. Nice. Um, it's interesting when we hear the Bride say, "I'm," and she introduces herself with her name. Uh, it's always bleeped out. It's like, bleep. like why? Why did you do that? Um, in I read the script portions of the script, and in there it says during this. It's like a, a asterisk said during this part uh, when she says her name, it'll be a it'll be bleeped out on the soundtrack until I want you to know her name. Mm. Nice, which we get in volume two, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Um, okay, so then uh, Quentin almost had to reconsider casting Uma because she got pregnant right before they were going to start shooting the film. Wow. Just for a brief moment, but then he knew that Uma was meant to be the bride. The bride. We'll wait for her. And then that yellow outfit that she wore, as you said earlier, inspired by the Bruce Lee's Game of Death movie. I mean, that's just an iconic suit. You cannot wear it without that reference. No, you cannot. (laughs) But she makes it work, man. Like, it's a heck of an homage. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, we made reference to this earlier, but Quentin found the group, the 5678s, uh, after hearing them play in a clothing store in Japan. Mm-hmm. And he kind of used a little more pressure than you normally would in Japanese society to convince the person in the store to give him the CD mm-hmm. so he could take it back and track down the group. Absolutely. Um that's all I have for trivia. I got one more, and that's simply that uh, I mentioned earlier. Also, Uma's stunt double was one Zoe Bell. Now it's time for filmmaker tips. What you got? Collaboration with actors is key. So not only did Quentin collaborate with one Uma Thurman for them to come up with the concept of Kill Bill, but uh, Lucy Liu said in an interview that that Quentin is always open to uh, collaboration. People mm-hmm. being able to give bits and pieces as far as what they want to 
put in their character. We've heard this also with Sam Jackson before in other films that he's open to hear what they want. But at the same time, when he really believes in something, he will he will fight for it. But um, but he's you know often open to collaboration, and it tends to work out well in his films. Um, kind of adding on to what you were talking about, what, five, six, seven, two. What were the name of the rock? five, six, seven, eight, five, six, seven, eight. All right. Um, so when he discovered that CD in that Japan store, Japanese store, um, just uh, from a filmmaker standpoint, like when you have the impulse to do something, like act on it. And the reason, like Tarantino, like the re- reason he was so hard about that, is just because he knew himself. He knew that he wouldn't follow up about that song if he was to go on about his day-to-day life is like, it'll just be an idea that's forgotten. And so many times I've had like, like a great idea and I don't write it down. Or mm. usually when I write ideas down, I record on my recorder on the phone or I write it in notes on the phone. Or if I hear a song, I hit Shazam. Like I do that all the time. Like, I'm like, what song is this? Yep. You know, I hit Shazam and then like just file it for here later or whatever. For later on. Yeah. To see kind of what inspired inspires me but just like you know when you get that impulse react on it and make sure that you find a way to get that thing because it it's inspirational and uh man i've heard some songs that were like so great and i'm like trying to look for my shazam and then by the time i get it out like the song is gone I'm like ah <laughs> <laughs> like ships passing in the night yeah man uh learn from the locals again you made mention of this earlier um uh, just when you are working with with others because you know Tarantino has worked at this point he had worked with a, a crew in the states you know that he'd become very familiar with but when he went overseas in like to like Beijing he wanted to make sure that he had local talent there who were giving their insight and expertise to, to how to shoot these things mm-hmm. so yeah so you know take in that that local culture wherever you're at and and you know with the crew that's there see what you can learn from them and and hopefully make things a little easier man that's that's all I had for filmmaker tips from my standpoint. Oh, I got one more, and that's uh, get a translator when needed. So, <laughs> absolutely on set at uh, different points in time, there were two different translators: one to translate in Mandarin, and one to translate in Japanese, just based on the cast. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, that, that's great, you know. So they can make sure the communication gets across with the international um, team. I like um, how he switches around, you know, from dialogue to. Speaking because it's like when you're speaking in a language as a culture or like a kind of like um, uh, a character um, behind uh, the way that people speak. So we're talking about like how aggressive like some of the Japanese uh, language, how it is and the language is versus like um, uh, like like the the Spanish, the, the Castilian version of Spanish and how like kind of like elegant it can be. And then like how people kind of, you know, they mimic like while they're talking um i like in kill bill 2 when her instructor speaks in cantonese when he switches over to cantonese mm-hmm. it's a very like distinct uh version of of the language and i just instead of mandarin like switching over to cantonese it's like that's telling you something culturally because like that comes from the old school like everybody can speak mandarin but when you switch over to cantonese that's like that digs deeper like you want to mm-hmm. win somebody over in that country you start speaking that and you'll definitely do it Okay, I like. I'll just mention this last thing that just again we talk about like the the, the Japanese language, I like the the subtleties and shifts in in tone. Again, Gogo shows that when when she's coming down the steps to take on the bride, and the bride's trying to convince her not to fight with her, and, and she's like, you know, she's like, you know, I, I I beg you, you know, not to defend your your uh, your master. Mm-hmm. 
in Gogo kind of does a, she does a little schoolgirl laugh. It's mm. kind of that's that's a trope, like a, a trope yeah, you true. see in anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a laugh, and then she speaks softly about it, like, "Oh, you know, that's uh, that's what you call begging." And then she drops down deeper, you know, and gets very stern. You can do better than that. You, you know, can be better than that. Yes, yeah, yeah. like oh, and then of course you know brings the brings the weapon, but uh, but yeah, this was Kill Bill Volume One. Still holds up. Yeah, well done. Still uh, slaps, as the kids say. Slaps. Um, yeah, I think it's like just one of those creative endeavors where it's like, this looks fake. Like when like a couple times when you see like her get on the airplane, like this, what is this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> who made this little set thing? To, mm-hmm. You know, it's the airplane. You see this red sky, like, ah, what are we doing? But it just feels... Um, I don't know. I feel like they're just having fun in with being creative. Like the snow doesn't have to be real snow. It's obviously like white sand or something. Cause it's like sparkling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While they're fighting, you don't see their breath. Yeah, you or don't anything. see their breath. Like, like it's like, yeah, this is, it's, it's, I think even within the lore itself, it's made for, for show yeah. on top of this, on top of this building. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So like this little style, got, got the like Wes Anderson kind of vibe when you got, you know, some of the fake stuff. Uh, you know when he like jumps in cars or certain things like a little sketchy background like he drew it in uh-huh. but anyhow overall solid 9 out of 10 8 9 maybe 9 yeah 9 out of 10 I, I mean I don't me. I don't have uh, I'll, I'll be honest I was almost forgot how violent it was really so kind of got reinitiated like oh oh yeah that's that's right <laughs> this is really violent but then I got settled in I'm like okay alright we, we, we're in it bring it on uh, and you notice they went like uh, during the large gang fight, they had went to black and white again. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, they had to do that so they didn't get an NC-17 rating. Mm. Uh, just because there's so much blood to spray. And it's like there's just so much blood. To, 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 you know, people that the the um, the MPAA, there's just so much they can take. And you got all that blood spreading around. And I think that was good just going to black and white. Like, forget about it. Yeah, but it's, I mean, the thing is shot so just lovely. It's just a beautiful looking film beautiful shots the sound design the performances like the whole nine it's yeah yes and next time what are we going to be watching we're going to continue in our tarantino run with the fifth film from quentin tarantino which is kill bill yeah volume two and you can catch us where facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary we're also on itunes soundcloud stitcher radio and spotify you can find us on Twitter. He is at Reggie Titus. I'm at KCJ Smith 32. We're also on the gram at Filmmaker Commentary. He is at Reginald Titus Jr. That's JR. And I'm at KCG Smith 32. Until next time. Peace. Respect. <laughs>